Well, very, very good morning to you. Um, it's really, really lovely to see you this morning. Um, as uh, Stephen's already said, my name's Ben, and it's a real uh, privilege to be one of the church leaders here. And um, just a couple of things to say before we look at that passage in Matthew 28. The first is that um, this uh, church recently uh, had its first birthday, um, uh, which is an amazing thing uh, that God has kept us going for one whole year. And um, just to say that uh, several churches in East Anglia have supported us through that time in all kinds of different ways. Um, And we thought it appropriate to send them a letter of thanks, uh, just to say, thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you so much uh, for all you've done. But there is one church in particular, uh, St. Lee's Evangelical Church, um, that have supported us very specifically in all kinds of ways that were very much unseen um, to just keep us going. And um, we thought it appropriate to send with their letter uh, a card. Um, uh, so in their letter, we've, we've just highlighted some specific names, but we'd love you on your way out to, um, to sign this card just to say thanks to St. Nick's Evangelical Church. They've done so much uh, to help us. And um, I'll leave it by the contact card box there. Please just, uh, if, even if you don't know them, if you, if you don't know um, uh, what I'm talking about, um, that's fine. Um, just sign the card because that will encourage them. It will really encourage them to see all kinds of names that they don't know that are thanking them for their partnership in the gospel. So please do sign that whether you, whether you know uh, the folk there or not. Um, second thing to say is that today we are doing the second in a two-part series called Side by Side, which is based on a book, this book called Side by Side. Um, that is, we are, it's a topical series, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you the essence of this book, what, the point of this book, so I'm not just kind of reading the book to you. Uh, what I'm trying to do is, with a particular passage, saying that this is, this is what the book says, um, and the hope is not that that will be used, just that that will be useful for us, but that um, you may get a copy of the book. And uh, if you'd like to do that, let me know. And um, I've got some copies. I will, I will uh, uh, gladly give you a copy. And then here's the thing: read it with somebody else. And okay, that's the that's the whole point. Side by side is that we we don't live the Christian life on our own. We live it side by side with other people. So grab the, grab the book and then read, just, just pencil out, I don't know, an hour in your diary, in your week, to meet up with somebody uh, having read the book. And it's dead easy to read, short chapters, there's a couple of questions at the end of each chapter, great questions to discuss with somebody else. And what you'll find is you are effectively not just reading the book, but you're doing it as well. Um, so... Before we have a look at uh, Matthew's Gospel, uh, by the way, please do keep that passage open in front of you. Uh, and just to let you know, there's a, there's a brief discussion time after the sermon. So if you want to jot something down that you want to say or you want to um, ask, please feel free on your sermon handout. Um, but before we do that, we're going to pray. Let's pray for God's help. Father, thank you so much that uh, this morning we've already heard the great news uh, of Jesus Christ, that even though we have uh, turned away from you, 
even though we are people who have chosen to love and worship other things instead of you, even though we're people who uh, have tried to become you and be you, uh, you so freely forgive us and bring us back to yourself and then use us. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who is abounding in love and so full of grace. And we sit here this morning as people who uh, rejoice in that. Who know that if we're on our own, we, we, we could not stand before you, and yet you allow us to. And you love us more deeply than we uh, can ever know. Father, we thank you and we praise you that you've spoken to us in your word that you uh, want relationship with us. And Father, we pray then as we come to your word this morning that we would hear your voice and that our relationship with you would be deepened. And Father, we pray that not just for our own sake, but we pray it for the sake of others. As we know you more, we pray that we would be confident in the task that you have given us. So confident that we would then uh, go out wanting to teach others about you. Father, we pray for the children uh, in this building at the moment. We pray that as they look at your word together, they would come to a genuine knowledge of you, that your spirit would work in their hearts to bring them to you. And we pray for your spirit to work in our hearts too now, to open our eyes, that we may know you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this term at Christchurch, we have been focusing on the aim, or we were focusing on the aim of loving one another. That's one of our aims, that we love Jesus, we love one another, and we love this community. I want to focus on loving one another. And the big question in this kind of two-part series is that, the big question in this book is how can we begin to do that? So how do we begin to love one another well? How do we begin to live the Christian life side by side? Well, this book, Side by Side, hopefully gives us two principles uh, that I'm giving you in sermon form. The first principle that we saw last week is that we are needy. That we are needy people. And the way that we move towards being a church that loves one another is to recognise our need. So, I, you know, if I come here, if I come to church and I, I turn up and I'm just pretending that everything is fine, then actually no one has the opportunity to, to love me or care for me or pray for me. They'll just leave me alone. Because they think everything is just fine. And what happens then is, is the church then just becomes a club that, that kind of gets together once a week and smiles and then goes home. But you see, if I walk into a room and I, I tell the truth, I say, look, I'm really struggling with this situation 
And as I've struggled with this situation, I've seen my own sin. I've seen that my heart is not trusting God in this area. Then suddenly, everybody can listen, and they can love me, and they can pray for me. They can offer practical help. They can remind me that there is forgiveness for my sin. It suddenly means all those people can be the church. But here's the thing. In that instance, those people are not just given an opportunity to do that. They are needed. They need to do that for me. They're needed. If someone is struggling, as they will be at, at various points in life, then you are needed. This church needs you. The people in this room, they need you. You're needed. That's the, that's the, the second big principle of this book, that we are needed. Now, it's not only the principle that book lays before us, it's the truth that we see here in this passage at the end of Matthew's Gospel. So what happens is Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he could, I suppose, as someone with all that, all that authority, just transform the world in an instant. But what he does instead, graciously, amazingly, is he gives his disciples a task. Effectively says to them that you, you are needed I need you to do this and so are we we are needed to carry out this task and this morning I, I, I want us to not only see that it is our task but I, uh, that, 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 that we actually have confidence that we are people who are needed and the first thing we see here is that that is the case for everyone Every single one of us. That's the first thing we see. All of us are needed. All of us are needed. Now when I, when I stand up here and I say, look, you are needed, I don't know how you feel. I guess uh, one reaction could be, yes, this church cannot do without me. Um, but but what's, what's more likely... Uh, amongst us um, I imagine what we so often think is no one will benefit from me what what can I do to help who could need me but the truth is all of us no matter who we are no matter how we feel we're, we're needed every single one of us it's simply part of following Jesus so it, 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 it starts here with, we see that here, it starts here with the Jesus disciples in Matthew. So just, just read with me from verse 16 and see if you can kind of follow this logic here. So verse 16, then the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. 
So see, what happens is you have these 11 guys, so Judas is, is dead at this point, just in case you think there should be 12. There were 12, Judas is dead. 11 guys, and Jesus says, look, go and tell people to follow me. That's what it means to make disciples. Go and tell people to follow me. And of course, that is grounded in the authority of Jesus. See, do you see that? So verse, um, verse 18, he says, look, all authority in heaven has to be given to me, therefore, of all authority, therefore, you go and make disciples. Now, Jesus is not just saying, look, I have the right to tell you what to do. He does, but he, that's not his point. He's saying, I am the king of all the earth. I'm the king that everyone needs, so you go and tell people about me. Help them follow me. I just need to say to you at this point that if you're not a Christian please know that Jesus is not some made up fairy tale that you can ignore he is a king who has defeated death who has authority over all of the earth including you and therefore you need him and you need to come to him and bow to him as king before he comes again. And the good news is that he accepts and loves anyone who does that, who bows to him as the king that he is. And so you see, with that good news in mind, for these people here, they are needed. They are needed to go and share that good news because of who he is. Now at this point you could think, well how are they going to do that? There's these 11 guys and they're told to go into all nations and spe- you know, they must expend themselves, exhaust themselves doing this. Go to all nations to make disciples. But did you notice what that involves in verse 20? It involves baptising them and, verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So you see, what would have happened is these 11 people would have gone from here and said to people, look, hey, follow Jesus. Jesus is the king. Come and follow him. And then they would have taught everything that he commanded. So, chapter 5, they would have said, right, you need to be salt and light. You need to not be angry with others. You need to forgive other people. You need to not lust. You need to keep your word. You need to pray. And you need to do what Jesus commands here in verse 19. You need to go and make disciples. So you see, they would be saying, hey, come follow Jesus. Go and make disciples. That's one of his commands. Follow Jesus. Go and make disciples. And then those people would go and do the same. They would, say, they would then go and say, hey, follow Jesus. Go and make disciples. The point is that you know about this king, and so you help others to follow him. See, these first disciples here, they were needed desperately, but so is everyone who comes to Jesus. Every disciple is a disciple maker. And so if we know him, then we are needed. We are needed. We are needed to tell others, to help others. And that doesn't matter who you are. Your personality, your gifts, your knowledge, those things don't matter here. Jesus started with with fishermen, 
They were not amazing people in the world's eyes. They were just normal. They were normal people who followed Jesus. And that's what qualifies us. All of us who follow this king are needed. We're needed to make disciples of this king. And so we are needed uh, to go. Uh, This is the second thing we see is that we're needed to go. We are needed to go. So you see this, um, this command clearly there in verse 19. So Jesus says, Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. Now, the command to go is not where the, the emphasis is here. The, the, the point is that we make disciples. But that's a really helpful, practical point to just dwell on that the the making disciples involves going that doesn't mean necessarily that you pack up your bags and go to a different country some might do that but nor that we're needed to go towards other people making, making disciples means relationship and often that will mean we take the initiative we needed to go towards others. Now the reason for that is because we're not all that great at doing last week's sermon. You know, being needy does not come naturally to us. So you can imagine you set up a stall here in the, in the corner of the hall and you put a big sign that says, I will listen to your problems, I will care for you, I will pray for you, I will give you a call during the week to see how you're doing. You're unlikely to have a long queue. Okay, even if you paid them, perhaps. Because we don't like being needy. Ed Welsh makes the point in the book, even desperate people are reluctant to talk. And so as people who are needed, we are needed to go, to move towards others, to start a conversation, to know someone, and to find out about their needs. Now, it might be that you're kind of sitting there thinking, but I, I just, I just, I can't do that. I can't, I can't move towards others. I haven't got that, that kind of confidence. But what we then do is, is what we just sung, that we're, we're driven back to our knees, to the God who came towards us. And we see that actually going, taking the initiative of somebody, is just a Christ-like thing to do. So, in the book, uh, Ed Welsh paints this great picture for us. He says, Our picture of kings is they're cordoned off from the public, like the, the Ming Dynasty emperors of China living in their forbidden city. In contrast, our king does not simply leave his castle door ajar so that a brave subject can enter unannounced. He goes out to the people in everyday garb and he personally invites them to stay with him. Jesus is God in the flesh who stepped down from his throne and entered into the affairs of family life. In doing this, he removed all boundaries and barriers between us. And he goes on, God comes to us. That is grace. And what it does is it starts cycles of grace through the bodies of Christ. That is that as you know 
that the one who has all authority took the initiative with you, made himself vulnerable for you, came to you, you can then begin to move towards others. You can begin to break down barriers. Now even then, even as we begin to do that, it's difficult because for some people, you know, they may not want to be open. So as we take an interest, we you know, get to know people, we ask them questions, we, we ask them to tell stories, we discover their hopes and their fears and, and, and what makes them tick in a way that you can then help them. So uh, the, the author of the book tells this story of one man he knew. He said that I knew someone who had a preference for Diet Pepsi that bordered on obsessive and uh, he always seemed that, uh, just uh, angry if, if I drank something else when Diet Pepsi was available. I said, for years, I just thought that was an, uh, he was just being eccentric until one day I asked him, you know, Diet Pepsi seems so important to you. Why, why is that? And the guy said, you know, my older brother who died when I was eight, he drank Diet Pepsi. Now you see that that simple kind of taking initiative and asking questions suddenly opens up a whole history to this guy's life that he would never have spoken about. That not only deepens that relationship, but it helps to understand why the way he is. How he might need help at certain times. And so you see, we're needed to do this, to, to go to one another, to, to go towards one another, to know one another in such a way that we can help them. Because that's, the, that's of course, it's not the end point, isn't it? You know, we're not just told to make friends here, we're told to make disciples. And so, in addition to going, we're needed to teach. This is the third thing we see this morning, that we're needed to teach we needed to teach you see going to also is, is first is simply the first step so at some point we, we, we need as much as we can we, we, we need to teach about Jesus yeah that must be needed for people to come to Christ and as we baptize them and then in verse 20 we spend time teaching them, to obey everything I have commanded. Teaching people to follow Jesus. Now, look, I just want you to notice here that that is not just addressed towards pastors or Sunday group leaders. Now, he does not say that those are the people who need to teach. He says it to everyone who follows Christ. All of us are needed to teach. So when my life is hard, when I am dwelling on my sin, it is very, very hard for me to tell myself that God really does love me. I need you to teach me that. I've heard it a hundred times, but I need you to say that to me. Now, that might look like 
you meeting up with somebody and opening the Bible with them. And I, I really want to encourage that. I think that is such a brilliant thing to do. You open up God's Word and you speak it into their lives. But we also have an opportunity to teach every time we open our mouths. Every time you interact with somebody. And what happens is, is you head into the rest of the New Testament, it shows us exactly how to do this. You see, to teach somebody is not, it, it's not kind of this blunt, um, uh, here's something you need to know about Jesus. Uh, you, you know, not just giving information. But the New Testament gives us a pattern. It, it, what happens is, as Paul wrote to churches, he, he followed this basic pattern. Firstly, what he would do, he's, he would affirm people. He would affirm them. So the, the truth is, in all people, there will be good. And in Christian brothers and sisters, there will be growth. And so we need to affirm this. That's what Paul does. We'll see this next week. We're starting the book of Colossians. And Paul says to them, I thank God for the way that you love others. But you might say something more specific. You know, you might say, I don't know, I, I, I praise God for Nick and Vanessa and Zach for opening their home this afternoon. You know, what, what an amazing thing to do. Or, or you might say, and this, I should say this is a general example, um, you know, over the last year, I, I've noticed how you're much less worried about money. Isn't it amazing how God has worked in you? you know, we are needed to affirm those kind of things because people cannot always see their own progress. People do not always know their own gifts. And so we look for it, look for it in people and point it out. And this will encourage them to keep following Christ. You want to push people on in the direction that they're moving. So encourage them. Affirm the good. But at the same time, of course, we want to turn people back to Christ. Whilst we affirm the good, we also want to prepare to talk about sin. Now again, look, this is Paul's pattern, isn't it? It, it, You know, he says, this is great, I love this about you, but you need to know about this, You, you need to be aware of this and turn back to Jesus. This is great, but, but here's a problem. Now, I'm not sure how well we do this. You know, I, they, they follow this pattern. So we, we tend to see the sin in others a mile off and jump on it. You know, so, yeah, and that, that's, that's, that's clearly the case in, I guess, your own home, because it's, it's the case in mine. You know, the faults of our spouses and their children are glaring to us. And so what we want to do is we want to point them all out at once and think that that will fix them. You know, rarely do I affirm anything and then say, here's a problem. But actually that's what we ought to do, isn't it? Affirm and then gently point out a sin that has, that's not just there as a one-off, but has an obvious pattern to it. Something that we've seen over time. So we might say, look, yeah, again, a general example, you can think of anything here. You're so hard-working, 
you know, you're so servant-hearted and it's amazing to watch and you're an example to us and I praise God for the way you serve me. But, you know, sometimes when I listen to you, you're just so quick to criticise others. Do you, do you want to talk about that? You know, it's not that kind of snap, I can't believe you did this. I praise God for all this stuff, but do you want to talk about this? Is there, is there any pride in your heart? Now, if God is at work, then the likelihood is that person will be open to talking. And you might then look at the Bible together. You might point that person back to Jesus. And there is restoration, there is growth. That all sounds really simple as, as I say it, and I'm sure we know this is really, really difficult, really hard to do. And it requires patience and a relationship, and it requires trust. But it is something that we are needed to do. We are needed to do it. If we never, ever address people's sin, when we see patterns of it, it can be disastrous. So just, just listen to this one story from the book. Uh, I, I think this is in your sermon note, notes. It says, A church was left dazed when both a men's leader and a woman's leader left their spouses, wrote a good bye note to their families and disappeared together. As a plan for pastoral care gradually developed, over a dozen people in the church said... I should have said something. They had had observed the way the two leaders had interacted and spoken about each other and they said nothing. They said nothing. Do you see, we are needed to teach We are needed to encourage the good and to correct the sin. We are needed to teach people to follow Jesus. In everything you do, that is what you're needed for. You know, you you, you cannot you cannot think to yourself, "Well, look, I'm not on the road to this week for something, so I'm not needed at church." You are. You are needed here. You're needed to teach. You are needed just to keep these people around you going. Because the bottom line is, everyone is heading somewhere. There is no one here who is neutral. They are either heading towards Christ or they are heading away from him. And so we are needed to always be pointing them in the right direction. And here's the sobering truth, that if we don't do that, if we don't step up to this, if no one here is teaching, then those who are in need of help will just go elsewhere. You know, I have this agonising problem that is eating away at me, that is, I'm moving farther and farther away from Christ, and the people at work, well, they seem willing to teach me, and my neighbour, who's non Christian, he seems willing to teach me, and the doctor, well, they seem willing to teach me. The problem is, they teach me nothing about Christ. Because they don't know him. You see, the best they can do is offer me good advice. I'll try this. 
It's great, and it, you know, it's helpful, but what I really need is Jesus. And so the church, us, we are needed to teach about Jesus. Now, that may mean that we, we face rejection, you know, but that, that won't always go smoothly. And it may be at this point that you, you, your thought is, is well, this is just too overwhelming. I, I, you know, I, I, I cannot do this. But here is, is why I want to end with this, this last point. The last point we, we see here is that we have all we need we have all we need. This is the last thing we see this morning. We have all we need. We have all we need. So there have been a couple of um, uh, uh, a couple of times where I've I've shared these verses with people, and their immediate reaction is, "I can't do this. This is this is not me. I can't do what Jesus says to do." To which I reply, "Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because of the promise that Jesus gives." So just read with me from verse nineteen again. Jesus says, "Therefore, go." and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, you're not just on your own. Jesus himself, by his Spirit, is with you. And so you have everything you need to do this. You know, Jesus is with you, so as you approach others, you have nothing to lose because you have everything. Jesus is with you, so you know what to say because he's the one who allows you to understand this book. And all of us can do that. Jesus is with you, so as you speak truth, he speaks. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like, uh, if you could imagine this, me standing there, singing my flat heart out, my flat notes, and on my own, I am terrible. Yeah, if you, if you mic me up, it would be awful, but... I happen to be standing there with Penny Bell and Stephen Robinson right behind me and they 